You're listening to special programming sponsored by Making Moves Life Coaching Services. The content of Veterans Affairs Plus does not reflect the views or opinions of Public Radio KUNV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, Las Vegas. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'm Dave Washington, your host. As usual, I'd like to start out with a few announcements. Uh, the first one is that the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue Explorers are recruiting. And I'm sorry I don't have the contact information, but I trust that if you Google it, it would pop up. But again, the Las Vegas Fire and Rescue Explorers are recruiting. And we certainly need to get that uh, multicultural so young folks think about joining the fire departments. Good career. On our next show, uh, which will be the last show of the month, we're going to have our new sheriff. That is Kevin McMahill. He replaces our, our former sheriff, Joe Lampardo, who will be who is our new governor, I should say, recently elected. Also, we will have Miss Carla Holmes. She's the chairwoman of the Carla Holmes Executive Development Institute. She will uh, kind of fill us in on what the institute is up to. And then from a condolences side, I mentioned last uh, week about the passing of uh, Gloria Burns. I said it, it was her uh, son or grandson, I should say, but it's actually her sister's uh, son. So that would make him uh, her nephew, him her nephew. So he passed away most recently. And to the family of Henry McElroy, he was a retired engineer with Las Vegas Fire and Rescue. I attended his service uh, this past Saturday. While I didn't speak, I certainly want to share a couple of points that should be of interest and just give you some indication of the professionalism and the I guess you would say the character of Henry. He served 33 years uh, with the department, and I will briefly talk about his professionalism, and I mention his character. When I was president of the City Black Firefighters, we took on the city for discriminating against blacks. One thing Henry never did was he didn't stop talking to me, as some Caucasians did. He was always uh, very professional, and, and it speaks to his character. On another occasion, when I, uh, I established a training program for women, it was, it was a preparatory training program to assist women in their preparation to take firefighter, the firefighter entry-level exam. Many of the black and the white firefighters, they didn't appreciate what I was doing. In fact, they were saying that I was bringing on women to take their positions and their jobs. Well, Henry, again, his professionalism and character— Henry never, ever stopped speaking to me for doing the things that I thought were important to make us a, a, a department that was welcoming to all people. So I just wanted to, to kind of mention that because Henry was, uh, 
he was a good guy. And, and the other inter- interesting thing to me was it's ironic that we both did 33 years because I retired after 33 years as well. Henry came on in 1967. I came on in 1974. So to his family, again, to the family of Henry McElroy, great guy, great professional, and had strong character. And that's the kinds of things that uh, the fire chiefs and other executive-level fire personnel look for when they're hiring additional firefighters. So those young folks who are listening with respect to joining the Las Vegas Fire uh, Explorer program, please consider character and professionalism. It's very, very important. Once again, this is uh, Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and more. One other person I want to mention real quickly because his services will be coming up um, this weekend, and that's Trusty Bino, Dudley Trusty Bino, San Jose Fire Department retired. His services will be in San Jose this weekend. So, any of you firefighters out there who remember him, if you can, if you're in the area, please stop by. And then the final person I want to mention is Lewis Hawkins. I mentioned him a few weeks ago, but Lewis passed. His services will be. On the 27th, I believe it is, but it's going to be a Paiute. It's on a Friday if I get the date wrong. But those Valley View members out there who knew Lewis, he was a, a great guy. Let's try to uh, show some love to his wife uh, for the work that they've done with Valley View. So with that, once again, this is uh, Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and more. We will shortly have our first guest coming up. Once again, Las Vegas, this is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. This is Dave Washington, your host, and I have my first guest today. And for the purpose of uh, full disclosure, this is my brother-in-law. Uh, Sherm is a retired uh, military person, and I'm going to ask him a few questions that he can fill in exactly uh, what his rank was and all that kind of good stuff. So, Sherm, what, what branch did you serve and how many years did you serve? Uh, yeah, I did uh, the Navy, and I ended up doing 34 years. 34 years? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds like a long time, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> Please give us a, an example of some of the positions that you held. Oh, well, it was, uh, like I said, in 34 years, I covered quite a bit. I started off enlisted as the electronics, aviation electronics technician. And then um, at some point, I decided to switch over, became uh, an officer, and I was on a, a ship as a gunnery officer and electronics materiel officer. So that lasted for three or four years. And then I became a, uh, what they call an engineering duty officer. Uh, after going through post-grad school, getting my you know, master's there, they decided engineering was the way to go. So I got the degree in, in computers, switched over, and didn't have to necessarily be a part of a ship after that. And then I just did jobs as program manager. Um, that's my my major job that I did when I retired. It was called what? Program manager. You have you know ma- you have major programs. You know mine was uh, basically um, communications and all of the communications throughout the Navy. I was responsible for the. Uh, uh, the shore side of it and the shipboard side, making sure they could all communicate. 
Okay. So yeah. you held several different ranks, I assume. And did it, your college uh, education have anything to do with the position that you held? Oh, yes, most definitely. Uh, like I said, I started off enlisted, worked my way through uh, E1 through E6. And um, once I got the degree, that was the, the, the only way you can get your commission, of course, is if you have the degree. And so starting off there is 01. And after I got made to, uh, lieutenant, which is 02, I went to postgraduate school, which has allowed me to uh, get my master's degree. I could become an engineering duty officer once I had my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And that was so that at the beginning of my career as a, as a, an officer all the way up to the ranks of captain, which is 06. Now, I didn't realize you you start out as an enlisted person. Yes, I didn't oh, yeah. know. You Eight know, I, years. I thought I thought you started out as an officer. So after you uh, did your enlistment time, then you went to officer candidate school or to college to to pursue the the officer type rank. Yeah, I went. Uh, the, the Navy actually paid for me to go to Purdue University, mm. which is where I got my mechanical engineering degree, and. And then, of course, they also paid for my master's degree at the Naval Postgrad School. And OCS, Officer's Candidate, was just right after uh, completing Purdue. That's where they send you there for, like, I think it was like 12 weeks or so. And upon completing that, that's when they commissioned me. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I I don't know why I thought you was, because I guess most of the time that we were in contact as adults, you were an officer. (laughs) So I I missed the enlisted part. Now, where are you actually from, Sherman? Well, I'm, uh, I was born in Grand Rapids, but most of my uh, youth was in Detroit, uh-huh. where I was there until I got drafted, which is the other thing about that. I was destined to go Army, but I ran to the Navy, so I didn't have to go to the Army. <laughs> so <laughs> so what have you, what have you been doing? Detroit do- is uh, home. Go ahead. Now, as you can say, that was Detroit is what I consider home, though. Okay, so what have you been doing since you since you retired? Well, while I was in the Navy, I was uh, a major program manager, mm-hmm. and when I got out, uh, some of the people who I worked with or who knew me as you know contractors approached me about being a program manager at their company, mm. and so I started off being just that a senior program manager. And I worked my way up through a couple of companies until I became uh, operations manager for the West Coast. And so it's all over the state, pretty much in the same arena. You know, communications, working with the Navy on ships and submarines. Mm-hmm. So actually, and so, what you did really in the military helped you in your preparation as you entered civilian life? A hundred percent. That was it. it. It gave me all the tools I needed, and when it came time for me to actually get out, I didn't go looking for a job. Job came looking for me. Wow, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, it was. So it was. Like I said it was. It was. That's why when I talk about thirty-four years, they were beneficial years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I can't complain about any part of it. So, how about the travel as a Navy officer? Uh, well, now that's a different thing. I did a lot of traveling. <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, my kids will even tell you about how we bounced around. Every couple years, I have to move from one location to another. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the good side of that, though, I got to go to a lot of good locations. Uh, like I said, I've uh, been on the East Coast, West Coast. I was stationed in Spain for a couple years when I was enlisted. And then once I commissioned, I was in Hawaii twice, up in the Vallejo area of San Diego, which is where I am now. So it allowed me to move around, meet a lot of different uh, uh, people, and just go to some wonderful places. So I can't complain about that either, even though it was a lot of moving around. <laughs> right, right. So in in that moving around, generally, is there a general time frame that one would spend at a particular assignment? Is there no particular time frame? It's just as they need you. Uh, well, normally it's uh, either two or three years normally. And in some cases, uh, they will pull you out sooner if necessary. Or in like the case of Hawaii, I was enjoying myself so much, I extended and I stayed there for four years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it, it kind of varies. And the Navy is, it, they, you guys have some tradition and ceremonial, because in fact, I recall when you was getting a new job, we came over to Hawaii and, and there was a huge ceremony conducted for you as you were Either being you either were leaving the command, getting old, or, or you were assuming the command. Yes, they do have that for, for only for command positions. They do that, mm-hmm. and um, I think you came over for, for for the last one as I was leaving. I believe. Right. Okay. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, is there anything that you would? like to share as far as advice because I trust that there are some young folks out there listening to the show that may be considering a young man or woman uh, uh, entering or joining the military. What what advice or suggestions would you give to them? Okay. Well, I have to be real careful with that because I don't <laughs> give advice. I oh, I, I, I hear <laughs> Yeah. But I, I would suggest that if there's a if anyone, male or female, who is you know considering the military, just like any other job on the outside, you should check it out. You know, make sure you know uh, what things you're looking for, what things they provide, what to expect, and therefore make your decision based on that. And no matter which service it is, you should do that same uh, uh, process because you know they don't have a draft any longer. So right. it's up to you as individual to check it out and decide. Yeah, Army, Navy, Marines whatever, that that's the best way to go and what it offers is what you need and what you're looking for in the future. Excellent suggestion, and I agree with you, Sherman, 100%. I know that I have family members as well as friends who come to me for advice. I, tell, I don't give advice. I will suggest, and you do what you want to do, but don't. I don't want you to ever come back to me and say, well, you advised me to do this. No, I did not. I want to make yes, certain, re- yeah, because otherwise people, they hold you to it. Exactly. You got it. Any any final thoughts or closing thoughts, Sherman, you might have well, as we close the session? And we I appreciate you so much for coming on. Well, I want to first thank you for inviting me and uh, enjoying. I hope it will be, uh, I say something that was a nugget to somebody. But I just wanted to, everyone to know the military is not for everyone. True. And so take it, you know, take it in carefully and make sure this is really what you want to do. And even if you're in for a short time, you can get out, obviously. But just be prepared. 
and expect to have uh, an exciting and a fun career because it can be just that if you allow it. Great words of wisdom. With that, I'd say thank you. Great words of right. wisdom. And uh, how's your golf game? I know you're here for a bowling tournament, so obviously you must bowl okay. <laughs> you said you weren't going to ask me anything that was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> horrible bowling, horrible. So what's your... I'm ready to go back in there right now. I get one more shot at it. All right. Well, good luck. And thanks again for coming on. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Safe travels. Good morning once again. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and more. We have our next guest coming on board with us, a local businessman, former Raider, Mr. Frank Hawkins. What's up, Hawk? All is good, Chief. How you doing? I'm doing all right, doing all right. Uh, I know you've been a move and a shaker in this uh, cannabis business for quite some time. When, when did you start? Well, we started in 2014 uh, with our first application. Yeah, 2014 when it was medical. And then in 2017, the state uh, passed uh, recreation. In 2018, um, we went rec, recreational. And so we've been in recreational ever since. And the medical market is uh, not quite what it used to be, but uh, there is still a market. And we try to serve as many of veterans or folks with uh, injuries or ailments through the use of selling RSOs or CBDs or one-to-one THC uh, CBD oh, wow. products. Great. So you do uh, look out for the veterans. And, again, this is Veterans Affairs Plus, so that's perfect. We hope that those. Yeah, and exa- exactly. We have for the last couple months, we have been running uh, specials for veterans. And where they come in, yeah, they get discounted pricing on uh, some of our ACE, a fly- marijuana flower, which gives them pain relief. So, yeah, if you got some out there listening, they can go to our website. They don't even have to drive. They can go to the website at. Uh, www.NevadaWellnessCenters.com and they can get a uh, look at the menu and pick what they want and uh, order it and it'll be ready when they get here to pick it up. Oh, cool. Another service brought to you by Mr. Frank Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frank, you were, you were in a battle for quite some time with the state and as completing that process, you have another location. Where is it and what are your hours there? Yeah, so we have uh, a second dispensary at 9030 West uh, Flamingo. Um, That's at Flamingo up around 215 and uh, it's 24 hours and you can go to the same website and place your order online and just drive by and pick it up. And again, we're open 24 hours at that location as well. And we've been open now since July of last year at the new location. Seven and a half years at the current location at 3200 South Valley View. Mm-hmm. Great. Now, please give our listening audience an update 
on the consumption lounge iteration of this industry? I know that's something that has been talked about, and I know you were actively involved in that whole process because I've sat with you and attended some of those meetings with the with the board who regulates, and they are what uh, state-regulated. Uh, yeah, cannab- Cannabis Control Board. Can- cannabis Control Board, proper terminology, Dave right. Washington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... So the uh, Cannabis Control Board, the legislature approved uh, the bill, which became law two years ago. So the Cannabis Control Board, who has the authority, have been uh, trying to create regulation so that they could issue consumption lounge licenses, which allows people to smoke inside uh, under the regulations that they pass governed by local authorities. Finally, the state approved the regulations a few months ago, and they had a um, almost like an auction for the licenses. Uh, And so far, there was 10 uh, social equity licenses and 10 licenses that they call independent licenses. And then other folks like us who were already uh, in the business could grandfathered in if you met the requirements, which were you either had, um, you couldn't go through an, another door to get to the facility. So our facility is large enough, so we would be grandfathered in, but we had, we also have to pay $100,000 where the other folks uh, or the social equity only had to pay at the time of application 2500 so they have that process. Now, the local governments, the city and the county, those are the only two governments that uh, agreed to approve lounges in their jurisdiction um, other in southern Nevada. So once their regulations is all approved, then those that uh, have their licenses will be able to open. So it, it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting time. Um, you know, it hasn't worked that well across the country, so there really isn't models that you can pick and choose from. So, you know, it gives you a time, opportunity to use your your um, uh, creativity and create something new that's exciting for both the locals and the tourists. Well, that sounds very interesting because, in fact, then, we could actually become the leaders in, in this whole consumption lounge iteration of, of this industry. Well, there's no question, and we are in so many other ways. Uh, there's lots of states that are having problems, Oklahoma, Colorado, Oregon, because they have too many dispensaries, and that's one thing Nevada was smart at. There's a limit on the number that you can have, and that's, that's I think, going to help at the end of the day when other states and their businesses fail. Nevada's uh, business will continue to thrive, and along with having tours, that's all helpful. No, that's uh, that's interesting that uh, you say they're still actually working on these regulations. So the license, I, I assume, have been approved by those, and you call it social equity. Would you give a little bit more detail to that? Yeah, social equity was supposed to help the either guy who was in prison or girl who was in prison and or low-income people to give them an opportunity to get into the marijuana space 
whereby they haven't. We, as you know, and your listeners may know, we are the only uh, 100% home and African-American, not only dispensary, but vertically integrated uh, uh, dispensary cultivation in the state of Nevada. So we would definitely like to see more ethnic minorities, more African-Americans in ownership positions, be it cultivations, dispensaries, and or uh, consumption lounges. So the move by the Cannabis Control Board uh, was to try to ensure that more ethnic minorities had an opportunity to participate. So it's interesting, but out of all the applications that came out, we still don't know what the ethnicity was of the 10 social equity uh, licenses are. So I'm sure one day we'll find out, but you know, we'll just try to be patient and positive and wait and see. Wait a minute. You're saying no one knows what the TNR at this stage of the game? I mean, what, no, what, to my what, knowledge, what, I mean, the CCB may know. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know, what's what's the big secret? You did it for the purpose right. of ensuring that uh, the various ethnic minority groups would get an opportunity to be in this business. So to me, right. it is shameful. Yeah. And I don't know who can who can rub them to to say, hey, go ahead, just display the information. You don't have to specifically yeah, say I'm who sure, who it is. Yeah, I'm sure they would argue it's a two step process. So you know you had to submit your application mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. and then you got your name pulled, and then I believe you have till either the end of February or the end of March to get all your information in, and then you can uh, maybe it'll be disclosed then. But as of now. It still isn't. So, okay, so that, I guess that makes sense. So they're, they're basically saying there's another step that has that you, one has to go through, and if they don't get through that step, they may not necessarily get it, so they don't want to put it out there exactly. prematurely. Right. Okay, I guess, yeah. we, I guess we can live with that. Uh, another thing you <laughs> kind of mentioned it briefly was the cultivation. I know you've acquired one. Uh, what is that industry all about, that part of the industry, if you can disclose some of the information yeah. about that, please? Sure. For us, it's important to control our own destiny. We can grow our own weed, manufacture our own weed, have our own pipeline, transportation pipeline, and also distribution pipeline, which really helps the business to be successful, gives you some flexibility on the growth side, gives you some flexibility on the distribution side. But more importantly, we are in control. If we grow a good product and customers like it, then we're going to be around a long time. And we plan on growing a good product. We had our first harvest we're excited about. So relatively soon, our uh, flower will be, coming, will be coming out with our brand, and we'll be marketing and advertising it. And, and we look forward to it. We are terribly excited about uh, being able to bring uh, our talents and the talents of our team uh, to actually grow and be able to represent that and let people smoke what we have and let us do it our way. And Make it successful. Great. Now, with uh, Valentine's coming up next month, are you got? Are you anticipating having any kind of specials? I might take some home to my wife. No, I'm just kidding because my wife don't smoke or drink, and we and we ain't never and we ain't never celebrated Valentine's Day. If I bring anything home, she goes, "Are you a fool or what?" <laughs> but are you considering yeah, but, that? You know, we all yeah, we ex- we excited about all the holidays because we're local. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, dispensaries are based and in, in, in cater to tourists, but we're, we're a local dispensary, so 
yeah, we definitely will have something for the ladies. Uh, some some special. Matter of fact, we might even have a special strain just for them on Valentine's Day. But we definitely will have for that week. We'll be having Valentine's special, and we do that for every holiday. All right, great. Well, once again, it's a, a joy to have you on the show, uh, Frank, and uh, appreciate all that you've shared with our listening audience. And hopefully, some will take it upon themselves to to get actively involved in this in this industry because I know it's going to be lucrative over the years. Well, I appreciate you having me. And again, uh, folks out there listening, if you need something for pain or uh, to sleep or just want to get a good high, think about and don't forget um, Nevada Wellness Center. All right, Mr. Hawkins. Thanks, Frank. Take care. Okay, man. Thank you. As we close out again, this is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. I'd like to acknowledge Wes for taking care of us today. And also, if anybody have any issues, please contact our service officer, Mr. Tony Marshall, 301-537-9465. That's Tony Marshall. He generally uh, works by appointment. He's down at the uh, American Legion Post 10 at uh, Doolittle and 8th Street, uh, I think on Saturdays, maybe twice a week. But the bottom line is that number, Tony Marshall, Service Officer 301-537-9465. This is Veterans Affairs Plus on 91.5 Jazz and More. This is Dave, your host. Have a great day.